0: Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount. Welcome to our podcast. This message continues our series Questions of Jesus with Pastor Omar Lopez. This message is called, Do You Want to Get Well? If you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and then check out our website at PraiseChapelParamount.com. Hey, enjoy this message. Praise the Lord. You can be seated this morning. We appreciate all of you here today and How many are glad you're in the house of God today? Turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time right now. I believe that. We welcome everyone online as well. And uh, we're going to continue our series that we've been ministering uh, this past month. And uh, it's called Questions of Jesus. And believe it or not, Jesus asked more questions than, than he gave answers. And throughout the Bible, Jesus... Constantly, when so many conversations in Scripture, you'll find that Jesus is asking questions. He's engaging people. He's getting people to think and getting people to think about their own circumstances, search their own soul, uh, think about what the things of God are to them, and to kind of reflect a little bit in several different places in Scripture where Jesus began to ask these questions because he wanted people to think about certain situations and engage them in conversation in fact he asked them pretty pointed questions in the bible i'll give you a few of them that are pretty pointed in in the book of matthew chapter 9 verse 4 he goes who do you think or why do you think evil in your heart that's a pretty pointed question and jesus said that because they were questioning him when he forgave someone of their sins he goes why do you think evil in your heart another one he began to tell them about truth he began to get them to understand what truth is and in john 8 4 or john eight forty six, since i speak the truth why don't you believe in me if you've heard the truth believe in me and then this next one man it's like a succession of questions, you ever had your mom ask you one question after another? I remember that as a teenager. No, nothing against you, mom. That's a good thing. But, but I, I remember those questions in succession. And in Mark chapter eight, verse seventeen, goes: Are your hearts so resistant to what God is doing? Don't you have eyes? Why can't you see? Don't you have ears? Why can't you hear? Don't you remember? I mean, those are a lot of questions right there. But hold on, let me answer the first question. And so, so many of these questions did Jesus. And uh, we're going to look at a question here in John chapter 5, a very famous story. Most of you have read this story before, if you've heard messages on it. And I'm going to kind of give you a different angle on the question that Jesus asks here in John chapter 5 of the Word of God, in verse number 5. And we're just going to read just a a few verses of the Scripture there. And then I'll give you the context of the whole story. Uh, But the Bible says a certain man was there who had an illness for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been in that condition now a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be made well or do you want to be healed? So I'm going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us some insight today as we get into the Word of God. So, Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit we thank you for your grace. We thank you, God, today that we're here. And Lord, today, even as you ask us this question, or we see the questions that are being asked in Scripture, Lord, we can resonate with those questions. And God, help us to take an inventory of our own lives. I pray today that the Word of God would bring clarity and insight. And God, remove every obstacle right now. Help us to give you our 100% undivided attention i pray for the anointing of the holy spirit as i declare your word in jesus name and everyone said amen Amen and amen and so this morning i want to talk about an important subject here that jesus had the conversation with a man that had been sick for 38 years and he asked him this question do you want to be well and what i want you to do today i want you to Listen to this question or think about this question through the lens of someone that maybe you're going through something or you've been going through some issues for a long time. Have you ever been in a place where you've been dealing with something for a long time and you know what it is to deal with a problem, an issue? Could be even a medical problem. It could be some things that you're going through in your own life. And I want you to look at this question through the lens of someone that is going through a long-term Problem. It could be a medical issue that you're dealing with. It could be even some form of anxiety that you've been dealing with. I know a number of people that deal with chronic headaches, and it seems to happen every every month. Or maybe there's an addiction that you're dealing with. Maybe uh, you've been smoking the wrong stuff, man. Smoking oregano or crayons. I don't know what you've been smoking. Maybe you smoking pot. I don't know whatever whatever it is. And maybe look through that lens. And whatever it is, maybe. Maybe that you're trying to quit, whatever it is that you, maybe you're trying to give up. Maybe there's an ongoing challenge in your relationship. Maybe it's a relationship with someone that's close to you. Maybe it's a mom or a dad or a brother or sister, and, you're, and you just have your differences, and you're trying to work it through. And I want you to listen uh, through the, uh, uh, this message today, through that lens. Uh, and I want to say to you that a moment with Jesus will change your life. Because the moment with Jesus is what changed this man's life. All it takes is one moment in the presence of God that can change your life. One moment in the presence of God will change your life. So I want to give you the context of what's going on here in John chapter 5 and tell you what's happening here as Jesus arrived on the scene. In John chapter 5, verse number 1, it says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. So he was there uh, for festivities. He was there with the holiday that was going on. Now there in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which which is an Aramaic, It's called Bethesda, which is surrounded by five covered porches. So there's this pool that's there, and uh, it's by the sheep gate. I don't know who designed, who was the architect of this thing, but I don't want to be by a pool or in a pool next to a sheep gate. Uh, uh, Sheep poop a lot. It probably smelled there, but I don't know why they had it there. But for whatever reason, uh, these people gathered there. It kind of sounds weird to me that you would uh, uh, put... A sheep gate next to a pool, it's like uh, orange juice and toothpaste, they don't go together, right? None of these things do. And anyway, uh, there's this natural body of water that flows into this pool. Uh, uh, If you look back and and read about Bethesda, you'll find that there's this natural body of water there. In verse number 3, it says, A great number of disabled people used to lie there, the blind, the lame... And the paralyzed. And so, I don't know if you guys have the scripture. You should be putting it up there. Hope, Hopefully, you can help me out there. But there's the a great number of disabled people that used to lie there. And the blind and the lame... And the paralyzed. So what they were doing is they would bring these paralyzed people, these people that were blind and lame, and lay them there by the pool uh, under these porches. Now, they weren't taking a suntan. We know that. But they were being laid there daily because they believed that a miracle could take place. There was a legend. An urban legend or some kind of rumor, if you read the scripture, that an angel would come and stir the water. And whenever the water would bubble up, that if you got into the pool, the first one that got into the pool when the water bubbled up... You would be healed of whatever infirmity that you had. Now, no one knows uh, whether there was any truth to that, but for whatever reason, uh, uh, people were gathered around uh, uh, in, under these porches or under these arches uh, back in ancient time. Uh, they made these uh, uh, for shade; these arches around the pool, and so uh, these pillars with the long or with these long arches, and and people were laying around this pool. Uh, and in verse five, it says. one who had been there or invalid he'd been there for 38 years did you hear that 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time now, I don't know if Jesus was informed by someone, whether Jesus made inquiries about this man that had been there, but somehow we know that Jesus realized this man had been there for a very long time, and he asked him this question, do you want to get well? Now, I don't know about you, but it sounds kind of insensitive. I mean, here I am lying here. I'm, I'm paralyzed. What do you think, Jesus? Jesus. Duh, I, I want to get healed. I, I would think that it kind, it's kind of a, a rude question if you really want to get with it. It's kind of insulting. Kind of an insulting question to ask someone that's sick, to ask someone that's been lying there for 38 years, that if they want to be healed. Because I, I, it's like asking someone that's thirsty, Hey, do you want some water? Asking someone that's broke, Hey, do you want some cash? Well, what do you think? I mean, here Jesus is asking a question to someone in a condition that you would think the obvious answer, of course, I want to be made well. But Jesus sees something that's going on here that most of us don't catch at first glance. He begins to see something that's happening here that a lot of us probably miss when we read this story. In verse number seven, it says, sir, the invalid said to him, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water stirred while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes in front of me. In other words, maybe someone that was well uh, able or ha- was a little stronger than him jumps in front of him or he had more help uh, or they had more help than he did. And he goes and they go down in front of me. And in verse number eight, then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat and walk. Get up, get up out of that grave, amen. At once, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. That's the miracle of God right there. See, I want to say to all of us here today, a moment in the presence of Jesus can change your life, a moment in the presence of God. Uh, the, uh, I, there used to be a song we used to sing is that you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Bound, oppressed, tormented, sick or lame. For the Holy Ghost of Acts is still the same. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. You won't leave here like you came. In the name of Jesus, something happens in the moment in the presence of God. And so I want to talk about three different things about this story that can resonate with all of us as we get in further into the story. Number one, you can write this down. The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. How many have ever gone through a problem, an issue, and the longer it lasts... And the longer the process or the longer the time you're in it, after a while, you get a little discouraged. After a while, you get a little depressed. Could be you get a little bit anxiety about it. It's an ongoing problem that just won't go away. You prayed about it. You've sought God about it. You've been talking to others about it. And it doesn't seem to go away. doesn't seem to work out. could be a marriage could be you're in a marriage that, man, I prayed, I did all of these things, and it just doesn't seem to get any better. We tried church. We tried this. We tried that. It doesn't seem to get any better. It could be a physical problem. Again, uh, uh, you're going to the doctor over and over, and it just doesn't seem uh, uh, to get better. I dealt with a small problem in comparison to a lot of people for two years in a row. And again, my problem is very small. But I want you to know, a number of years ago, and some of you may remember this, uh, I, I had I had this chronic bronchitis uh, for three months, and it was two years in a row. And literally, I would walk in here, and I was just hacking and hacking, man. I was just coughing. It was just embarrassing. And somebody would be preaching, and there I'm in back, <sighs> coughing. It's like, you know, I was smoking that oregano. I had to get off of that stuff. And Anyway, I had all that stuff going on, you know. It was just for three months and, and I remember I had to take all kinds of stuff before I could get up here and preach every Sunday uh because I was so coughing so bad uh, and, and my wife was looking at me and I, I can believe it or not I coughed so bad I pulled a muscle I went to the doctor said this hurts because you pulled a muscle what can you do nothing thanks doc thanks for <laughs> thanks for charging me 50 bucks for just showing up to tell me Nothing we could do, just it'll heal itself, you know. And so I can't imagine, though, that I went through that two months, I mean, two years in a row for three months, uh, but there's people that have the same uh, issue problem for 13 years. This guy, for 38 years, you can imagine the incredible discouragement. So the longer uh, the problem persists, the more you get discouraged. The second thing, write this down, the longer the problem persists, the more excuses You make about them because sometimes the problem can be solved by us making some decisions sometimes the issues can be fixed but we have to make some major decision and when we don't do that we begin to make excuses and ultimately we begin to make excuses to make us feel better about ourselves and this is what this man told Jesus. See, Jesus didn't ask him what the problem was, what the issue was. He asked him, do you want to be made well? Jesus didn't ask him, hey, why haven't you been healed? Jesus didn't ask him, hey, what's the problem here? Why, why haven't you been made well? He asked him, do you want to be made well? And what did the man say? Well, Jesus, uh, let me just tell you what's going on here. There's no one that, to help me get in. And see, that's the problem, Jesus. There's a pool here, and I don't get, and, and there's no one to get me in here. And so, all of a sudden, he's playing the blame game. And what do I say? When you, when you blame what? You be lame, right? Right, that's what happens. We're playing the blame game, and guy gets into a place where he's blaming uh, uh, the his issue on other people, and it can happen with us uh, where we begin to blame uh, others for our problem. We blame our spouse; our marriage is bad because of you. Maybe you ought to look in the mirror. I don't have a job because I don't have a degree. I don't have this. uh, Can I tell you how many people today that uh, are are billionaires that didn't even, they dropped out of college. It's true. So many guys. I I wrote a couple of them down just for your information. Uh, uh, Steve Jobs was one of them. He dropped out at 19 years old. Bill Gates dropped out at 20. Mark Zuckerberg, Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, dropped out at 20 years old. Travis, uh, 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 Travis Kalanick is his name, Uber founder, dropped out at 21. So all of these guys, uh, even, even the secular world knows not to give up and not to blame. The third thing, write this down. The longer a problem persists, the more we begin to compensate for the problem. We begin to make excuses uh, for what, why things are happening the way we, and we begin to compensate because of the issue. Here's what I want to kind of bring out a little bit in this story Jesus arrives there at Bethesda, and remember the story is, the rumor is, if you get in uh, first, you'll get healed. Now, it's a rumor, we don't know if there's any truth to that. And so, all of these people are there, there are hundreds of people. And what you begin to realize, what Jesus began to realize is the system that they had compensated for all these sick people, is basically become a trap. Are you listening to me? It, it became an entrapment because the Bible says that there was a certain time that the angel came, apparently, according to the legend, and when the water bubbled up, If you got into the water, you got healed. Well, if you got hundreds of people around and these porches are laying there, what are the chances that you're going to be one out of hundreds of people to get in the pool before everybody else? The chances are minimal. So the chances of you being healed... We're going to be minimized because the amount of people that were there. So already the system had, had, they had created was already working against you. They already had made accommodations for all of these sick people. They had, got, had these porches. So they said, you know, there's going to be a lot of you, probably most of you are not going to get healed, so we're going to make these porches so at least you'll have a little bit of shade while you're laying there, while you're waiting. And this is what happens when we begin to compensate and make excuses for why we're doing what we're doing or not doing. Or why we're hooked on something and bound to something we begin, the culture begins to accommodate us. Are you listening to me? So today we have people today that are drug addicts, but they're not drug addicts. They're sick. They have a disease. You're not an alcoholic. You're sick today. You have a disease. You're, 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 not, you're not a criminal. Something else is happening in your life. And what we have is a culture many times that accommodates the, the problem and facilitates your issue instead of really dealing with what the real issue is. Am I right? I was looking up addiction, believe it or not. And, and I know I'm not preaching about it, but well, I guess I am. I'm going to talk about it a little bit about that. And, they, and, and this is what they said. I was reading a, a, a psychologist, and he said this about addiction. He said, addiction isn't a disease. He says, first, I'm not saying that addiction is not a serious problem. Clearly, it can be for many people. But rather than a disease, I would say that an addiction is a habit that grows and perper- perpetuates itself relatively quickly when we repeatedly pursue the same highly attractive goal in our mind. This results in a new pathway being built in the brain, which is always the case with learning. New pathways are formed and old, older pathways are pruned or eradicated. But with addiction, most of the, much of the rewiring is accelerated by an action of dopamine. In other words, there's a neurotransmitter released in response to a highly compelling goal, creating an ever-tightening feedback loop of wanting, getting, and loss. As the addiction grows, billions of new connections form in your brain. The network of connections supports a pattern of thinking and feeling, a strengthening belief that taking place, that this drug is a thing. It's going to make you feel better despite the plenty of evidence that is contrary to that. So the more you begin to do it, the more you begin to train yourself, the more you begin to compensate for it, the more you begin to justify what you're doing. How many have met people that are dysfunctioned? They learn how to function in their dysfunction. Because we begin to compensate and make excuses for what we're doing and why we're doing it, rather than being changed and transformed by the power of God. And so how many have ever met highly functional uh, alcoholics? They can drink, yet they can hold a job. Uh, Highly functional drug addicts. In fact, they begin to talk about so many actors and celebrities that are functional alcoholics and drug addicts. Maybe some of you remember Robert Down- Downey Jr. He was a functional drug addict. And, 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 and the studio didn't care how much drugs he did, as long as he performed during their time, he could do anything else, whatever he wanted to do. Some of us today, even our marriage is dysfunctional, but we've just learned to be, well, we're just kind of business partners, we're kind of roommates. Uh, you know, we're, we're not out to significantly help our children. We're not out to invest uh, and, and raise good children. We're just, we're just business uh, partners. That's all we are. People, are. people even that are caught up in pornography. I'm preaching this morning, okay? People are caught up in pornography today, and, and they've learned how to function. They're, they're trapped. They're competent, but they make excuses to why they do what they do. People, the same way, they they learn how to compensate for their overspending. You don't have enough money. Why are you using all your credit cards to buy stuff you don't need? To keep up with people you don't like. Am I right? With money that you don't have. Right? I, I mean, all of these things, and yet we're borrowing money, we're doing all of this. thing. How about living on a budget? Have you ever heard of something, you can't afford it. Don't buy it. You can't go out to eat. Go home and eat tacos, whatever you want to eat. Mings, uh, rice, and Jesus Christ. However you want to do it. However you want to put it together. I was talking to a couple just the other day and and, and during the, uh, their their premarital counseling, I said, you know, I remember there was time my wife and I, you know, we you know, there were couples in here that made better money than I could. And 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 before I became a pastor and and I, I remember during that time, uh, they didn't want to go to Black Angus. I go Black Angus. Oh, my goodness. I can't afford that. I could barely afford chilies. You want to go to Black Angus? We'll meet you guys later for fellowship. We're going home, man. And we just go home and, you know, eat our huevos rancheros or whatever we're eating that day. You know, whenever we decided to make sandwiches or whatever, because we couldn't afford it. We weren't going to get ourselves in debt. We weren't trying to compensate our problem. Are you listening to me? You cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. Some of us this morning, we have some issues, we have some things in our life that need to change, but you cannot change unless you're willing to recognize you have a problem. You have an issue, something's going on here, and the first step of recovery, the first step of changing is admitting you have a problem, but you cannot change what you're willing to tolerate. I try to help people all the time. I try to call out something. They, You know what they do? They get mad at me. Oh, that pastor. No, I called out on something you're afraid to deal with. You're afraid to deal that you have that problem. You have that attitude. I try to help people all the time. Trying to get them to, you know, uh, how come you don't have a job? Well, you know, I don't have a job. But you don't have a job because you don't want to work. And you're used to living off of other things and off the government helping you out. I'm preaching this morning. We want you to... We, 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 let me just tell you what something the gospel does. The gospel improves your life. It's supposed to improve you. And we come to church. We don't just come to church to sit around. We come to church so God can improve our spirit, our mind, our thinking, change our life. Instead of doing the same old thing, same old habit. This is why Jesus, the bottom line, Jesus said, do you want to get well? By the way, I've been walking around here. Did anybody want to get well here? I've been checking out what's going on, and it seems like this system that that you guys are all waiting for the water when the water of life is standing right in front of you. (laughs) You're, You're waiting for the water, and when the miracle worker is standing right in front of you, you're waiting to get in, and I'm the one that's willing to help you. And so some people will say, "Well, you know, uh, uh, the biggest problem to you know, I just don't have a faith because you know, uh, I, you know, I doubt and I have this issue." You know, you know what the biggest problem to faith is? It's not doubt. It's not fear. It's not worry. Sometimes you become so familiar with what you have that you become comfortable with the uncomfortable. You become comfortable, comfortable even in the dysfunction. That you say, well, you know what? At least I know what's going on. I may not like everything that's going on, but at least I'm comfortable. At least I, I know what's happening. Could it be that this man right here became comfortable with his circumstances, got comfortable with where he was at, instead of recognizing he really needed a miracle of God? See, some people today, we make excuses. We overcompensate. Our problem when we say, well, I'm an alcoholic because, you know, my whole family, they're alcoholics. Can I tell you, I have a lot of families that's are I'm not one. Oh, you know, I struggle with finances. Well, yeah, my whole family, we struggle with finances. We struggle with finances. Can I tell you, uh, I have a lot of families who struggle with finances, but I'm not struggling with finances today. Well, you know, we, we, they, they all, they, you know, they all live off of government. You know, we've, we've been on welfare forever. Can I tell you, you don't have to live that way. Thank you. All right. Can you hear me now? I can make a commercial. Can you hear me now? All right. (laughs) People say, how important is sound? How important is the voice of God? People always say, how come we're improving our sound on time? How important is it that you hear the voice of God? It's very important. If there's anything I have a pet peeve in this church, we got to have good sound. And when we don't have good sound, guess who's guess who's in trouble? We got to have good sound. I mean, I'm hearing pretty good. I don't know how you guys are hearing out there. I'm I'm hearing pretty good. I I don't understand, pastor. You know, we we got our family. We grew up this way. This uh, we're all angry. What well, change? You need to change. We all have attitude. It's part of my culture. Get off of that culture stuff. You need God to transform your life. I get all these excuses. We overcompensate. Amen. You you, you know what? You're not going to change what you're willing to tolerate. And so Jesus said, do you want to get well? And really brings us a critical moment in the story. Because when Jesus came to that man, and that man answered him and said, well, you know, Jesus, all of this is going on, and and these people don't put me in. You, you notice that Jesus didn't say, oh, well, you know what? Uh, let me help you into the pool. Jesus said, you know what? The next time I'm going to get some people here, let me know, and I'm going to get some people. You know what? Let me put you a little closer to the edge. You notice Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, well, you know what? I'm going to really pray for you. You know what? I'm going to get you a better mattress. In fact, I'm gonna get some flowers around the mattress so you can accommodate you a little better. And then when everything happens, you'll be the first one to get in. Jesus didn't do that. Here, here's here's the thing about this story that really really stands out to me that Jesus, when he came to that place, of all the people that were there, he came to that man. And believe it or not, Jesus had to kind of walk over some people, right? Because the Bible said there were. All kinds of people on the porch. So I man Jesus kind of, well, hold, hold on, excuse me there. And then getting around. And he comes over to this man. Again, maybe he made some inquiries. Maybe somebody told him that this man had been there for 38 years. And Jesus, so this is the picture of grace that God is willing to walk over, get over to where you're at. Amen. That God will go out of his way by his grace to reach you. That God will go out of his way to reach your soul. Can you say amen? It's a powerful picture of grace. Uh, Out of everyone that was there, Jesus came to that man. Out of everyone that's been around, uh, Jesus came to you. He's using you. He's calling you. Amen. Jesus Christ saved you. And that's what Jesus did. The picture of grace, that Jesus came to this man. And it gives us a great thing here because it gives us the picture of, of, of the power of, of time, of a time frame here, because the Bible says 38 years. Why did John, who wrote this book, give us that information? He could have just said a long time. But the Bible says that John writes it out here, and he says 38 years. It's significant because it's giving us the power of a time frame. That it tell, it's telling us that this guy had been in the same place for a long time. Are you hearing me? Same place for a long time. And so Jesus finally said, do you want to get well anyway? He's not asking. Here's the thing about it. If Jesus not asking this man to get an answer. He's asking this man to give him the answer. Jesus is not asking this man the question because he wants to learn something. Jesus is asking this man a question because he wants to teach him something. Could it be that Jesus wants to teach us something out of the question that's being asked here and trying to tell this man, do you realize who it is that's talking to you? Do you realize the person that's in front of you right now, that I am the miracle worker, I am the way maker that's standing right in front of you this right now? And here, here's the question. He says, do you want to be made well? It's kind of a feeling question, right? A feeling question. Do you, you know, Do you want to be made well? I mean, do you want Do you want it to be healed in the first place? Or are you kind of liking the accommodation the way they are? Are you functioning in your dysfunction? And so Jesus asked him a feeling question. He asked this man who had the physical condition a feeling question. He said, do you want to be made well? I know you've been in this condition a long time. I know you've been in this place for a very long time. But I want to, but do you want to? Can I be honest with you? God wants to, but do you want to? God wants to change your life, but do you want to? See, God said, I can do it, but will you let me do it? God said, I want to change you, but do you want me to change you? See, in other words, Jesus is saying, I've already made the decision to help you, but have you made the decision to want the help? Do you want to break the cycle that's been going on over and over for the last three decades? Do you want to break the cycle? Time is changing, but your life is not. Time is changing, but the relationship is not. Time is changing, but you're still stuck in the same place. Do you want me to heal you? Do you want transformation? Do you want God to change your life? These are the things that I want us to think about today because a lot of us, believe it or not, God wants to bring improvement to your life, but we only want partial improvement when we serve a God in heaven that can give you complete improvement. We have settled for information when God wants to give you transformation. We've settled for some things that we should be settling. Maybe Jesus, listen to me, maybe Jesus is asking this question because he's trying to teach us something about decisions. Did you hear me? When it comes to decisions, we need to make a decision today to say, you know what, I need my life transformed. Because a lot of our decisions, believe it or not, are driven by our feelings. Feelings are like a vehicle, man. They'll take you where you want them to, where you want to go. Or they'll take you, where, you where, where it wants you to go, right? That's how feelings operate. They're like a vehicle. Next thing you know, man, you're driven here. You're, and a lot of us were driven by feelings and not by faith. We're driven by our emotions. And in order to make the decision that you're going to have an experience of change, you need to get your feelings, and you need to deal with your feelings many times. The reason why we're in the same place, not moving, stuck at the same place, is because our feelings keep us there. And God is trying to speak to it because decisions, again, are like a vehicle. Where we end up is based behind what's behind the will. What's behind you, is it your feelings or is it faith? Are you being driven by your emotions? Are you being driven by your feelings? Or are you being driven by your faith? And so maybe Jesus is teaching us today not to be driven by our feelings, but by our faith. Jesus knew that this guy had been stuck in a season. It'd become a cycle in his life. And I want to say to all of us today, uh, we need to be careful that things don't become a cycle. Seasons change. Seasons change with time. Cycles change with us. And we have to begin to realize hey, am I, is this a season in my life? Or am I going to let it become a cycle? See, this is where we have to realize, you know what? I got to get out of this thing. I got to get out of this feelings and emotion, and I got to stop being driven by these emotions and these feelings. See, Sometimes I realize today that I need the Word of God because I need to be anchored to truth. I need the Word of God in my life because I need my mind transformed. But my feelings will say, no, you don't feel like reading the Word of God. Right? My feelings would say, "Well, you know what? Uh, uh, you don't feel like reading God's word. Sometimes I need more than just principles, uh, but I need to engage myself in worship and surrender my heart to God and lift my hands and let my spirit uh, get in touch with God. Sometimes I need more than I need a touch of God. But my feelings would say, "No, you don't feel like worshiping God today." And I miss a moment of transformation with God. See, if the enemy can get you to hide what's driving your decision, the enemy can control your decisions. God wants to expose, he wants to expose some of those feelings in your life today. He wants to expose some things that have been in the driver's seat since 2020. Guess what? 2020 is over, and we're in 2021. You need to make some decisions based on faith, not based on feelings. Some of us are still being driven by the feelings in 2020, and God is saying, You need to move on to 2021 because I've got something greater. I've got some improvement I want to make in your life. Can you say amen? It's time to get up. I said, It's time to get up and get moving. It's time to get up. It's time to get up where you've been. It's time to move on and what God has. Stop staying stuck where you're at. Some of us, you're stuck in the same old mode over and over, year after year. And Jesus said, do you want to be made well? Because I can heal you. I can transform you. I can change your life. See, they were waiting for the water, man. And the water of life was right there. And today, the water of life wants to change, wants to cleanse your life today. I want us to bow our heads in reverence to God for just a moment here. Father, we thank you. I want the worship team to come. Lord, we thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your goodness today. We thank you, Lord, that you're transforming our lives. That, God, every miracle in the Bible started with somebody making a decision. And, God, when we make the decision, not based on feelings, but based on faith, you'll change our lives. Just like that woman, Lord, with the issue of blood, she made a decision. All she had to do was touch the hem of your garment, and she was miraculously healed. God, all we have to do is make some decisions today, not based on feeling, but based on faith. Because, God, you can only change today what we're willing to confront and admit God, today, get us out of that stuckness. Get us out of that place that we've been locked in. Get us out of that place that's kept us unmovable. Get us out of that place, Lord, that mindset that keeps us addicted to things that tear our lives apart. And God, help us to move forward. God, you want to make overall improvement. Soul improvement today. So Holy Spirit, reach across this room right now people are sitting in this building. And God, I pray for people right now, wherever they're at. Perhaps you're out there right now as you're listening to the sound of my voice. You're in this room or maybe you're watching me online today. Whoever you are today, I want to just reach out to you and tell you that the God in heaven that wants to touch your life. He wants to transform your life. That wherever you're at right now in your life, there's the God in heaven that cares. And believe it or not, he can change your life fact i tell you he can improve your life most of all he can forgive you because the bible says most of all most of all of us this morning we've sinned the bible says and we fall short of the glory of god there's none righteous not even one we need god's forgiveness we need god's healing we need god's love today So if you're in this room, maybe somebody brought you. Maybe you came on your own. However you got here today, I don't believe it's coincidence. I believe the Lord brought you here. He loves you. He's reaching out to you this morning. And he wants to forgive you. He wants to touch your life today. He wants to transform your life. Maybe you got some hangups. Maybe you have some addictions. I can tell you, Jesus will set you free. Maybe you got some issues and problems. Jesus can heal that. Maybe you have some marital issues. Maybe you have some personal issues right now. Jesus can heal you today. Maybe you have some hurts and some wounds. Jesus can heal that today. The Bible says most of these things come from sin. Things that have just we've allowed in our lives. And God wants to heal us and cleanse us today. He, he wants to make you a new person. Maybe you don't have a lot of problems, but I can tell you today, we all have the same problem, and that problem is sin. And the only one that can remove it is Jesus. So if you're in this room right now, say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. I need God in my life today. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Thank you right down here. God bless you, young lady down here. Who else? You need the Lord in your life right now, whoever you are. Doesn't matter right over here. God bless you. God bless you just raise your hand right now and say that's me right down here another one God bless you who are you right now he wants to set you free he Wants to touch your life just raise your hand real quick God will see it. thank you God bless you anybody else anybody else you need the Lord in your life wherever you're sitting at in this room right now if you haven't already raised your hand you say pastor I need the Lord in my life I'm telling you he's the one that can make a difference today but you're going to have to take that step you're going to have to make a decision today not based on feeling but based on faith that God can help you that he can change your life who are you right now you'd raise your hand and say pastor that's me I need God in my life who are you anybody else right now maybe you were once walking with God at one time but you're away from God today you, you, you just walked away and you need to come back you need to rededicate your life to him Who are you? Would you raise your hand right now and say, that's me, Pastor. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Just raise your hand right now. We want to pray with you today. We we don't want you to leave here the same way you came in. You won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. Anybody else? We want to pray with you. If you raise your hand, look up at me real quick. You mean that right here? You mean that? Anybody else? You mean that? Praise God. Would you come? I, I need some people to come with them. Come with these young people right here. God bless you. And, and I, I want you to pray with them. I want. I need some people to just pray with them right now. Just lead them in a sinner's prayer. And uh, we need someone over here. Thank, thank you. This young man here. God bless you, man. Praise the Lord. Would Would you pray with them there? If, if just lead them in the sinner's prayer amen or maybe someone else whoever you want whoever want just want to lead them to the Lord anybody else anyone else this morning hallelujah isn't God good why don't we stand together we're just gonna they're gonna lead us into worship and today I really want to challenge you to get well some of us are stuck in the same place some of us this morning we need some spiritual improvement and we We've been overcompensating. We've been making excuses. We've been blaming everyone else. We, we're blaming the system. You've allowed yourself to get into a system and you're just doing the same old thing. And even the culture is supporting it and people are supporting your habit, and supporting what you're doing. And it's wrong. You're going in the wrong direction. So we're going to sing this worship song. And if we do that, I want you to just make your way to the altar.